0: on the other side of texas history has its place on the other side of texas justice rules the case they don't like it they don't love it they say we're all wrong but on the other side of texas halls we roll along hey there happy 2019 here we are all back together again i think we're together uh, altogether, on my end, I'm not sure I think that Daniel's got everything working and plugging as we roll along here on other side of Texas two thousand nineteen. Happy New Year's to you and yours. I hope that your Wednesday didn't start off like a Monday today, and if it did, I hope that that is not a sign of things to come. You are listening to the most listened to platform in all of west texas glad that you are here as we broadcast from the racer car wash studios racer car wash voted lubbock's best wash for five years running stop in at one of five convenient locations across Hub city for the best wash around guaranteed racerwash.com where you can find the location that works best for you so my friends new year new shows new things Um, a couple of quick, well, coming up, by the way, Ross Ramsey, we're going to go over the 140 days of the Texas, Texas legislature meets every other year for 140 days. Ross Ramsey is now the dean of Texas political journalism. He's going to talk us through what those 140 days look like, what's happening where and when uh, things start off slow and then they I'll let him talk you through it. Things heat up, and then they try to get everything done in 140 days. Uh, Ross Ramsey, my political counselor, coming up. And then, the one and only Ted Mitchell, Chancellor of Texas Tech University, on the legislative agenda for the university, but we're also going to talk about a lot of other cool things. Like, how much better my hair is than his and he's got a better treehouse than i have and i want to try to airbnb that thing so a fun conversation coming up with ted mitchell about half an hour from now ross ramsey in about 10 minutes from now new year new show uh we are we've got our new studio together and i was told daniel's not here now but uh my the last report i was given should be ready at the end of the week next week Um uh, maybe the week after so i'm looking at uh maybe january 15 switching over to new studio which means if you're listening in the podcast it'll be better audio for you it'll also uh, same station same place same podcast platform none of that changes just the equipment Um, we say that this these are the studios where buddy holly became famous because that's historical fact but there's also a lot of equipment that hadn't changed since Buddy Holly became famous. So we're going to make some changes there. And we're also going to bring you some new stuff. We're going to start doing the show. Daniel thinks it's a good idea. I don't. Daniel does. He thinks that we ought to be facebook live and some of this stuff um, that you can watch on the computer. Or maybe we put up clips of the Facebook Live up on our other side of Texas Facebook page yeah daniel's been right so far so i'm going to trust daniel the millennial as we roll along but also and this is where i want to start today in 2019 you hear a lot about new year's resolutions well there's an unsaid new year's resolution and it's a political resolution going on in texas right now and it's everybody trying to find their footing in what's been a proverbial landslide in the landscape. Who's going to get the best footing? Who can get that footing? And uh, I think that you see a new political landscape coming in 2019. I'm going to spend a couple of minutes on that before we get Ross Ramsey on the show as I monologue along with you. Um, I am... A West Texican. Uh, that is my self descriptor. I've decided to define myself that way. Some people call me a populist, and that's fine. A prairie populist. A populism, things seem to change, but with me, whenever I talk about prairie populism or West Texicanism, I am always, whenever you listen to me, I'm always going to be about my place and this is transferable to other places in texas or the country wherever people are listening that you can be about your place first and then domesticate a party platform to fit with it so that you get a west Texocrat, or an east Texocrat, a south Texican. Uh, but i'm all about place first and that's not because of nativism well it is because of nativism but it doesn't play out it plays out in people making political deals with one another to achieve objectives for their it's just like what you're about to see with the bet school you're going to get uh people like uh, and this is just me betting but a dustin burrows a uh, john frulo state house of representative members out of lubbock uh, maybe even for price drew darby some others john smithy that vote for things that they wouldn't typically vote for in way out in the weeds votes that people will never be able to tell except we're going to bring it to you here on the program because they're making deals they're making deals for the region and and that's where i've always been and that's where i'm going to be i don't care how much there is a new political terrain in texas i'm still going to push place first and say to somebody up in north texas we'll go with you on this uh you come with us on this and, and let's all have a big place party because the place carries a continuity of knowledge and it passes from generation to generation how the place works and what makes it turn and when there's disruption in in this continuity learning transpires by costly lessons of what the place will and will not tolerate and then it risks demise and I started this program out of placeology, and I'm still at that place. Rural Texas has a lot at risk. And I think in the, my next column in the Avalanche Journal, I think, is even going to be about why do we not see more rural uh, revival uh, type legislation in Texas and in Washington. Um, let's, let's get to that but i began to think about that prairie populism and that's, that west texcanism and the new politics there's a new the ground is shifting in texas right now and it's shifting away from a one-party system and texas is synonymous with one-party state back whenever it was all democratic and now that it's all republican but you're seeing that all republican begin to recede to erode and so the extreme, whenever it was one party and the Republicans were winning statewide races by 20 points, you saw people give in to far right uh, policy that wasn't necessarily conducive to place. It's not conducive to place whenever you begin to talk about eliminating or consolidating schools. Number one example, in rural Texas, we just went through the state championships. My goodness, how many great football programs we have in outlying areas of Lubbock, um, in New Deal, in water in Abernathy, and then you go up into uh, other places as well. Canadian. These great football programs, and those all come from proud school districts. And you cannot talk about consolidation of schools without talking about consolidation of towns. And that means the end of a place. But the more the Republican Party gave into, and this being five years ago, like there are things I see today that I would have never dreamed that were possible five years ago. So many people shifting position. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but in the media, in politics, people beginning to shift and come back to the middle, to a a middle-right position, maybe even a middle-left position. And one thing that that rural Texas has always fought against is suburban Texas, at least for the last decade, where there is no sense of place. And I don't mean to be ugly. People live in the suburbs and follow the pursuit of happiness, and I get it. But there's not a sense of place so that property taxes become the predominant issue, and then there are other side issues. But guess what? When the suburbs begin to vote, Democratic then that changes the dynamics and that's what happened in texas in 2018 all of a sudden i'm speaking at an urban conference uh, urban counties uh event next week with ross Ramsey. we'll talk about it here in a minute and what i would have said in october and what i will say in january are totally different because of the composition of what turned out in the suburbs it changed a lot of the picture um now what you've got left in place where it has been one party are the diehard left-wing democrats that run a lot of and have stayed involved out of true ideological positioning in lubbock and in uh a lot of other places and what guess what they want to do now they want to go they want to go further left based upon 2018 they can't take signs and say well maybe if we moderate it a little bit we might achieve a win in the lubbock county republican party this is what i hear a lot we ought to be able to carry guns at the courthouse well carry if you've never been to the lubbock county courthouse you know that there are inmates that are being shifted from floor to floor it'd be crazy for somebody to have a gun accessible to an inmate at any time but but that's a big part of the lubbock county republican party platform right now and it just shows you how out of touch they really are the terrain shifting a new politics and i'm telling you watch people who you've watched over the last decade in politics and media and you'll begin to see how they'll begin to shift but i do think it bodes well for a vet school in that terrain to say guess where republicans won they won in rural texas Follow the lead, and we'll take you to the promised land. Uh, make a deal with us. Uh, that's just some West Texcanism, some prairie populism as we kick off. Ross Ramsey coming up right with us after Ross, the break. Stick regular. with us. And fun program ahead. I saw. I saw miles and miles of Texas, all the stars up in the sky. I saw miles and miles. Hey, uh you can follow along on the program on air, uh AM five eighty uh online at othersideoftexas.com Just click on the listen live, follow along, Jay Leeson at Jay Leeson on Twitter and his first edition of 2019. It is Ross Ramsey, executive editor of the Texas Tribune. Now, Ross, this is where we gotta start off. Now you are the Dean. Of Texas political journalism. You cannot deny this fact. I can. Ken Herman's been at it longer than I have. Uh, How come I've never heard his (laughs) name in all this?
1: Well, you know, we just keep knocking him off from the front of the list. Uh, Uh, Peggy Peacock has gone on to state employment. R.G. Ratcliffe has retired. Ken Herman persists.
0: How much further ahead is Herman than you? I think he's got 10 years on me. And he's at the Statesman? Correct. He's a columnist over there. He's got how much on you? I think
1: he's got ten. I I did a bunch of time in Dallas ten as a business years. writer before I became a political writer.
0: Sure, Ross, you're way I'm behind. Just, I'm just I'm just a pup. My apologies to Ken Herman there. Um, <laughs> uh, Ross Ramsey at Ross Ramsey. Now, I, was, I was i'm having like a reboot program here but where people ask me where did you really like you just got into texas politics a few years ago started on ross ramsey columns you can read them every monday wednesday and friday at org. and for those who are new for texas politics a lot of people listen to the program kind of is there jump into the shallow end of the program uh, shallow end of the pool i should say uh ross is a good guy to take us into the shallow end and uh then get in the deep end as fast as you want to um ross the texas legislature meets every two years for 140 days and what i wanted to do is spend some time with you today to do a little 101 on what that 140 days looks like what's going on kind of month to month as you roll along in a legislature
1: uh, they start off with a little bit of a bang they um, come in that'll happen next Tuesday and um, elect the Speaker of the House, we expect that to be Dennis Bonnen, it'll be his first time Joe Strauss is going out after five terms the Senate is headed by Dan Patrick and he and the Governor will be inaugurated um, officially a week later, so on January 15th, on the day before the session, the controller of public accounts, Glenn Hager, comes in and says, here's how much money I estimate your budget guys are going to have to spend in the next two-year budget. And once all of that's laid out, then the lieutenant governor and the speaker take a little bit of time, varies mileage varies every session, but they take a little bit of time and then come out and name who's going to be on which committees and who's going to chair those committees. And then we're kind of off to the races, except that it's a very slow race at the start. You have all of that noise at the beginning, and you will hear, you know, a lot of pomp and circumstance on Tuesday, a lot more a week later with the inaugurations of the governor and the lieutenant governor. And then it'll be relatively quiet. There's a period during which legislators file legislation, but don't actually vote on it on the floor. They'll start working on the budget and some other things, but the real fireworks of the session really gets going in mid-March or so, and they'll start um, vigorously uh, hearing bills and doing all kinds of things. They'll get a budget out, usually around Easter, uh, depending on where on the calendar Easter is, and then April and May are the really, you know, crazy months. The last 60 days of the session are when the committees are finishing their work. The legislature is starting to get a lot of bills on the floor, and you can imagine that being on the floor of the legislature with the full house or the full senate eats into the time they would otherwise be spending in committees and we get this series of deadlines for bills to pass and time running out and it kind of works like a bottleneck so it gets noisier and noisier and testier and testier until it ends on memorial day it's it's actually even over before it ends because the deadlines are such that the last couple days are kind of quiet then they're followed by a uh, three-week period during which the governor looks at the legislation that's in front of him and decides whether to sign legislation to veto legislation or let it become law without his signature and uh, that takes us to about the middle of june and it'll be over
0: okay you did that all was that all in one breath <laughs> because I, I need to go I hope back it wasn't and, that bad <laughs> uh, no no i, I uh, let's go back through that for just a moment for for listeners um things pretty quiet until about mid-march right we got committees yeah, I mean, working in february yeah yeah and for listeners too these committees already have a bunch of staffers right staffers who know how the process works so if you're named to a new committee you know you're named to the house agriculture committee you've got staffers who can help orient you
1: A little bit. It depends. You know, with a new speaker, you're going to get a lot of new chairmen and chairwomen on these committees, and it's to them um, to hire or to keep or not keep the staffers who are already in place. So I think you're going to see a lot of staff shuffling, you know, here at the beginning just because there are new members. There's usually 20 or 30 new members. And then when they name the committees because, you know, um, this committee used to be run by, you know, somebody from houston and now it's run from by somebody from dallas and they want their own clerk in there or they want their own staffers in there There'll be some shuffling around but but generally you're right generally the staff is um at least as knowledgeable as the members
0: so the first day of the session you'll see the house 150 members elect their own leader right okay so um one other questions i have is you went through that um Committees kind of a big deal. You think that, you think the Senate isn't going to release their committee members, uh, committee appointments before the legislature? I've heard that it could come at no, Christmas. I,
1: no, I think they'll do it. I think they'll do it, you know, pretty quickly. But I don't think they'll do it till the lieutenant governor starts his term. You know, his the first official act um is you know whatever happens in the three seconds after he's sworn in, and once he's sworn in, I think he'll you know start doing all of those kinds of things he's got every right to do it now but you know just as a matter of protocol a lot of times they wait till they they've got all this stuff set members have been filing bills since uh... the monday after the election so they're stacking up bills if it goes like previous sessions they'll file you know six thousand bills plus or minus and they'll pass about seventeen hundred of those plus or minus Um, a lot of those are duplicates, but certainly not all of them. And when you look at the way this process works, it's it works to cull you know, the bills they want to pass out of all of the bills that they filed, and it's usually about one in four.
0: Yeah, I've not seen a lot of sexy bills, Ross. I mean, it seems like, you know, I, and I did a monologue about this. This is new political terrain, not for you, but for folks like me. You don't have like a f- dominant far. Right party, far left party, so everything seems pretty close to the middle. You don't see a lot of, I mean, there are some novelties out there, but right, you don't see a lot of like what you would have seen the last legislature for sure. People aren't statewide; aren't winning by twenty points anymore.
1: Well, and some of this is, you know, what is what's the electorate calling for? You know, one of the things, you know. I maintain even when I'm disgusted with some of these guys that you know they're very receptive to what voters are thinking and what voters are telling them. And if voters are telling them to buckle down and do some serious stuff, they do that. And if voters are telling them to go out and get some partisan trophies for this side of that one, they do that. And, and I think we're in a a transitional moment here from a couple of legislators that you know the voters were stirred up as partisans and wanted to get some partisan wins. And now, you know, most of these um, newly elected people and reelected people are coming back, you know, thinking that the voters want them to buckle down and get some some work done. And there's also, and I, I, you know, I'll call around as the weeks go by and find out a little bit more about this, but I suspect in Texas, certainly, and probably in other states, there's some desire of politicians not to look like Washington. And, you know, if Washington's, screaming and squawking and jumping up and down and shutting down government and all that kind of stuff. The mood here, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, is going to be, um, let's just stay away from the loud kids.
0: No. Ross Ramsey, at Ross Ramsey on Twitter. Something folks need to know about these legislators is that they are citizen lawmakers, that they're expected to maintain a full-time job and then run down to Austin for six months or so every other year at least that's the way it was planned originally when people were in wagons and texas uh, just ended as a republic and and started up the legislature ross tell us are they still full-time citizen lawmakers or are they just lawmakers now but they make like seven thousand a year right
1: yeah they make six hundred dollars a month and when they're in session they make a per diem a daily payment That's set by the IRS. It's interesting. It's, you know, it's set by the IRS as allowable travel money. And in Texas, it amounts to, I think they just reset it and I don't have an exact number in my head, but it's around 200 bucks a day while they're here. So they'll make, you know, 25 or 30,000 in a session year. And, um, you know, it's not a full-time salary. And, you know, one of the things that that does is it uh, makes sure that the people who are, in office i think the original idea was make sure the people in office have to go home and live under the laws they pass but it makes it very difficult for normal people to run for office because you don't make enough money and you've got to you know got to put food on the table so Mm -hmm. um you get sort of a hybrid you know you get people in jobs where their partners or their bosses or their shareholders or whoever says listen um we think this is important, and we like you enough that we're going to let you disappear for six months every two years and come back. But you know, it's not an ideal situation either for the companies that they work for, or for the you know, uh, or for the members who are and the people who are trying to do this and trying trying to get by doing it. One of the other things that has gotten uh, much more um, burdensome over the years has been constituent services. You know, just because the legislature isn't in session doesn't mean I feel like I don't, I can't pick up the phone and call my legislator and say, hey, what's the deal with so-and-so? And people do that no matter whether they're in town, at home, or in Austin. And so that, you know, they, they're in Austin for six months, but in a lot of ways they're working all the time.
0: Hmm. Ross Ramsey, again, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday there at org. That's a good little 101, Ross Ramsey. We appreciate it.
1: Happy to do it. And it's going to be a fun
0: session. You and I get to uh, hang out at the Sheraton. I guess you're staying at the Sheraton. I am. Down in Austin. <laughs> going to do the Urban Counties and Capital 2019 Education and Policy Conference. That sounds pretty complicated. All I was told was that I was going to sit on the stage with you and Harvey Kronberg.
1: We're, we're just going to ask you questions. We're going to flip the table on yeah, you. Yeah,
0: that's going to be – I was telling somebody today, I said <laughs> it's kind of like being a junior high kid and being invited to speak with a couple of professors. That's uh that's my general gist of that thing, but we'll have good fun.
1: Well, we'll do what professors do. We'll torture the kid.
0: Yeah, okay. I'm looking forward to that, Ross, <laughs> I said as I rolled my eyes on the radio. I appreciate you and follow Ross along there at TexasTribune.org. We'll talk to you next week, buddy.
1: Always a pleasure. Happy New Year to you. All right. Happy
0: New Year to you. Ross Ramsey out. Going to get Ted Mitchell on. Whenever we get back, Ted Mitchell, two Ds. That's Dr. Ted Mitchell to you. Maybe Chancellor Dr. Ted Mitchell to you. As we ro- roll along right here on the other side of Texas. Be back in about 90 seconds from now.
2: Couldn't ask for better weather. You were staying with a grin. To the sound of hailstones
0: hitting it It's loud enough you gotta yell now The whole thing hits me like a song But pretty one that won't last long uh, Here on the phones with us, I believe calling in from D.C. is Dr. Ted Mitchell, your chancellor at Texas Tech University. Dr. Mitchell, how are you? I'm doing well.
2: For a minute there, I didn't know if that was recording or if that was really you live, Jay. Yeah.
0: Hey, I'm that good.
2: You are. And I
0: think I don't think you meant it as me being good, but uh, <laughs> but I'll well, take I didn't know it. If that was you or if that was me on the other line. Hey, listen, <laughs> and that's that's a mistake I get pretty common. And I feel bad for you because I got a bit a bit more of a gut than you do.
2: Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I had, somebody, I had somebody on the plane asking if I was Jay Leeson a few weeks ago. Hmm. And <laughs> how so, are
0: you? So did you hit them, or what did you do? No,
2: I thanked I him for the compliment.
0: Oh, listen to that. Hey, <laughs> right, speaking of uh, compliments, let's get a couple of uh, housekeeping things out of the way. I need to ask your permission on a couple of things. Um, okay. You've got a treehouse there in East Texas in Longview that's how many square feet? It's about oh six hundred square feet. Oh, just six hundred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just uh six hundred. So the Leesons take a little jaunt east of I thirty five and uh uh what's oh, the, got, what's the Airbnb? Gotta, what's the nightly on that?
2: <laughs> you gotta come by and see. You gotta cook breakfast. That'll be your cost. Hmm. <laughs> No, you guys, if you like tree houses, you need to come see this thing. It's
0: uh, the, i
2: I keep, I tell everybody it's the best built home we have.
0: Is there anything up at TTU EDU on your treehouse? There people just need that, to Google Ted Mitchell Treehouse.
2: If, if you if you Google Camo as in camouflage, Camo Treehouse, it'll pop up.
0: Okay. And that yeah. that's your place. And
2: this, yeah, that's that's been one that, that you know we've we at this little ranch that we've had out there in East Texas, we've needed extra space for a long time and uh and so just a couple of years ago we decided instead of just adding on a room to our cabin or adding on another little cabin, we decided to add the tree house. So and it's have, been a lot of fun. Do you
0: ever feel weird whenever you're around with like some hard knuckle West Texans and say they say, Well, we're gonna go to the ranch this weekend, you say we think that we'll go to the tree house?
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. I don't think that they really get it until they get over there and see it.
0: But you can probably sniper some bucks from up there, right? Oh,
2: let me tell you, I've got my youngest son. He keeps thinking it's the best blind he has. But but my wife, other than duck hunting over there, she doesn't allow him to deer hunt. So, yeah, but it is a very good blind. Okay.
0: Um, while we're on the permission front... Um, we're doing some new things. We've got a new studio put in place for the show. We're going to get into that. They tell me within the week, so I'm going to say three weeks from now. Um, but also looking to expand our online store. Uh, do we have your permission to sell shirts that say our chancellor can kick your chancellor's ass? <laughs> yeah,
2: you do with it whatever you want there, Jay. You okay. Have
0: my it's not your name, so I'm not giving you a cut, Mitchell. There you
2: go. There you go. There
0: you go. Okay. Uh, speaking of, let's get into some weeds right quick. Have sure. you you've got three regents there at the Texas Tech University System that are up for reappointment? Have uh-huh. you gotten any word from the governor about any of the three?
2: Not not a peep, and uh, it's one of those things that, in general, when uh, I, and I've been this is my ninth year of doing this, and so every two years you get three people that will rotate, mm-hmm. and uh, and I've seen it done all different ways. Uh, obviously, you hear stuff, but, but the, the same stuff I hear is the same stuff you hear. And so from the standpoint of, of what will happen uh, later this month or what won't happen later this month, the focus that we all have, when I say we, I mean everybody on the team. I'm talking about all the, the presidents and all the, the vice presidents and the vice chancellor. We're just, everybody's staying focused on the session with it uh, because it's one of those things that with the uh, with the appointments of of the regents, we're just gonna we'll leave that up to people other than us, obviously.
0: Can I be a vice chancellor for a day?
2: Yeah, have at it, man. <laughs> Depends no, on I, what you want to be vice chancellor of. I don't know.
0: Maybe maybe <laughs> I can just be a vice chancellor for a day. I'll make a T-shirt about that too. Uh, but yeah, not okay. not a Pete from the governor or the governor's governor. No, 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 no. But and
2: and and I will tell you that that generally speaking, before every time there's something coming up we don't have a peep from the governor okay. uh, so if, if you go back to uh, every other odd year that we've done this there's you've, we've never I've never heard anything from the governor's office up until the time that it's done and you've heard you've heard the you know the same thing I do when they talk about the the folks they're looking for uh Governor Abbott when he was in Lubbock several or I guess a few months back uh was saying that they would be looking for somebody uh from West Texas in general from Lubbock in particular and then obviously they were they were looking for people that would be, had been underrepresented. So what that means in the final analysis, I really don't know. Uh, but I do know that that was a statement directly from him that that's what they'd be looking
0: for. Yeah, it's August 22nd, but who's keeping the score? Uh, it's January, I believe, or you say later this month, January 27th, right? That's the day. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that's, that's correct. And there can be a holdover. After that point, yeah, okay, yeah, they
2: they they can have holdovers. They can uh, they can appoint right at the time when they appoint right at the time. You still have to have Senate confirmation, and so the folks, if you have somebody that is on the board and somebody new is appointed, um, then they have to go through Senate confirmation, which they try to plug in very quickly during the session. If you have anybody that's held over, uh, then depending on when they're appointed or when they're when they're when a new person's appointed. Depends on when sessions going on and whether or not then there there is a Senate confirmation or not.
0: Yeah, Dr. Ted Mitchell, Chancellor of Texas Tech, joining us here on your other side of Texas. I want to get into vet school, but first, you know, one thing that your predecessor had in mind that I thought, whenever you put together an asset in West Texas like Texas did so wisely decades ago, it it's there to present the interests of the region and it is a rural region outside of lubbock i always call lubbock the rural metropolis but i want to get in i want to get into the rural based issues that that you're looking at talk to us about from a medicine standpoint as you come from the health sciences center and then into as that extends into telemedicine access and providers in rural communities rural hospitals talk to us about is from your because listen here's the knock dr mitchell even though i'm going to make t-shirts that say that our chancellor can kick your chancellor's rear um the knock is that you don't know much about texas politics that these chancellors were set up we put in chancellors at texas tech who could work the legislature but whenever it comes to rural medicine That puts you on a different plane, because it's not like you're just some average Joe walking in. You understand the issue. Talk to us a little bit about rural-based health care and what your legislative priorities are going in. Sure.
2: So if you look, rural-based health care is actually, to me, a microcosm of rural-based governance in general. Because if you go to any rural part of the state of Texas, in fact, if you go to any part of any rural part of the United States, if you look at these communities, there are two things that are vital for the existence of that community. One is an educational system, and the other is a healthcare system. And if you want to watch communities around the state of Texas, not just in West Texas, but if you want to watch, watch a small community dry up and blow away, do away with either their educational system or their health care system, and that little town will cease to exist. And so one of the things that I've learned over the last nine years on the Health Sciences Center side is that when you talk about the health of the area, uh, the health care that is delivered there is a vital part of that, but as I said, it's just a microcosm of, of the bigger picture of the health of that community in general. And so uh, when we've spent time in the, in the legislature, and I've been down there now for multiple sessions. Uh, one of the things that is really important for people to understand is that the needs of rural Texas are very, very different than the needs of urban areas, and that's just the way it goes. And a lot of times when people talk about Democrat versus Republican, it's actually really more rural, uh, urban versus rural. And because, uh, for example, I'll use, I'll use uh, uh, education as an example. If you talk about the city of Dallas, uh, if you talk about doing things to get vouchers for kids to go to other schools and things of that nature, it may work when you've got multiple schools around you that you can choose from. But that same that same issue, uh, which is typically a Republican-type issue, would not work very well if you're in Demet, where your choices of schools are far more limited. Mm-hmm. And so uh, something that we typically couch things in Democrat versus Republican or conservative versus liberal, but very often the way we have to think about things, we have to think about, What are the rural needs versus the urban needs? Because they're oftentimes very different, and that's not just for health care. That's for education and other things as well. And so the charge that we have, although although we've been focused primarily on areas west of I-35, our 108 counties in West Texas, uh, the charge that we have is to protect the food, fiber, and fuel producers of the state who live in these rural areas. Because if you think of the epicenter of the beef industry of the nation, it's around Amarillo. If you think of the epicenter of the fiber industry, cotton, it's around Lubbock. And if you think of the energy uh, sector, the epicenter is is the Permian Basin, Midland, Odessa. And those are the people that take care of people in Dallas and Houston and Austin and San Antonio. We've got to make sure that we take care of them. So when you go to the legislature, it's not a matter of just trying to go down there with your hand held out. It's a matter of going down there and telling folks, listen, your livelihood and, and your standard of living is completely dependent on whether or not we're able to take care of the people in West Texas that are sustaining your standard of living here in Austin or in Houston or in Dallas. And so we're not coming down here as a bunch of poor rural folks with our hat in hand saying, hey, can you help us out here and throw us a bone? We're going down there saying, if you want to take care of yourselves, you better help take care of these folks out here. Mm. And that's a very, very, very different approach. I think, to me, to me, when you go to the legislature, um, it's not a matter of just trying to go down there and, and uh, slap people on the back and try to work out deals. There's obviously, there's obviously a part of it that, that is that. But more importantly, at the end of the day, you've got to be able to make your case. You've got to be able to make your case for a need and why it's important for the state of Texas to be involved in that. And when it comes to things like the veterinary medical school, when it comes to the mental health initiative that we have, uh, when it comes to even the student enhancement down at Angelo State University for first-generation students, and if it comes to things down to the the dental school out in far west Texas, those are all things where it's clear that we're trying to service a need that is important, not just for our region, but for the entire state.
0: Man. You know, sometimes I really get bummed out about how you've perfected my talking points. I mean, yeah, okay. Let <laughs> no, I me. Mean, the hair aside, no, but really, I mean, I entered this program, Dr. Mitchell, by talking about the importance of place and by talking about how I domesticate a party's platform to my place and then I'll choose the party based upon which one's best for my place. And let's switch over to, to vet school for just a moment. Um, We're, we're the, power, the powers that be, one, we're up here and where i say up here the Caprock rock and in amarillo i believe sure. on the i-27 corridor between potter and lubbock county the governor himself got enough votes to offset his losses in el paso a major urban region uh, and that's just in five counties right there um you have to be going into this legislature saying hey guys look where did you win uh, you won up right. here that's where you won right Right, and when you talk
2: purely about the political side of things, all of a sudden, what I call the Midwest-Texas axis, and that goes from the, the, the Midwest-Texas axis, from the Panhandle down to the Permian Basin, not far west axis, and not, not Fort Worth, west Texas, but that Midwest-Texas axis that goes from the Panhandle down to the Permian Basin. That's what won uh, all of these statewide uh, uh, races for the Republicans. God that's the wait. section that won it.
0: I'm going to add that to my vernacular. Midwest Texas. Yeah. I'm writing it on my iPad right now. Go ahead.
2: No, that's, and your point is spot on. Because had it not been for the fact that counties up and down I-27 and extending all the way down 84 to the, to the Permian Basin, had it not been for the fact that those counties were turning out heavily, heavily uh, Republican, then you would have had some of the statewide races that would have gone the other way.
0: Yeah, especially those races that were within... You know, I, I looked uh, at the U.S. Senate race, and that was 2.9. Very but, close. But then very the statewides close. other than Greg Abbott, were within 6.5.
2: Right, and it made all the difference. And quite frankly, uh, politicians, you know, they obviously look at numbers like that, and they know it's the old thing, you dance with the one what brung you. And uh, they, they know. You look at things like that, and it's not just that the, that area, if you look at the rural areas of the state, it's not just that they – uh, that they, uh, tend to be more conservative. Um, but, but they also turn out, folks turned out to vote. And it was an, it, it was an important factor in a lot of these races. And so, we, we do And you, in fact, and you're not trying to, you're not trying to go down there and beat people over the head about stuff, but you do need to remind them of that. We need to remind them of that. We're the people that help to support you on this. And it's not, the, 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 there, there's not a tit for tat. You support us because we supported you. But, but because we supported you. You need to listen to what we're trying to tell you about the needs that we're trying to serve out here that the majority of folks that live over I-35 and East, it's just not on their radar. It's just not on their radar to serve these areas. Not because they're bad folks. It's just because it's out of sight, out of mind, mm-hmm. and that's it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I always say on the program, Morton, Canadian, uh, Muleshoe, Littlefield, Lubbock, all the same thing, and people don't think about it. That's right. Yeah. No. Um, so I want to ask you this, and I'm going to allow you to back out on this if you want to back out on the question. I don't think you okay. will, but I'm really disappointed with Chancellor John Sharp in that he has made this a hill to die. Is your cohort, President Lawrence Skubanek has said, a hill to die on, this vet school. As somebody Mm -hmm. who studies Texas politics, who watches it with some obsession, I have a great regard for John Sharp. I think that John Sharp's resume is only that equal to Kent Hance in this state. And that is saying something. But, But your other cohort down in College Station has made this a hill to die on. What do you make of that? Are you disappointed with him, too, that he would make this the defining issue of of his chancellorship there at texas a&m
2: no I'm, I'm and i'll tell you i'm not disappointed in him doing that in fact that's kind of what i'd expect him to do with it because what he's you know he's he's 110 percent about texas a&m and that's what he's about and that's the role that he's
0: playing down there that's the role he's been playing for but a long what does time. he make of chancellor for i know a lot of aggies and I guess John Sharp would call them two percenters up here in Aggie parlance who are all for a vet school in Amarillo. Oh, sure. Uh, sure. Graduated, have their shingle on the wall proudly, and, you know, doing the, the thumbs up, whatever, gig them, uh, who are all for the vet school. But it just I get lost in this. I don't understand why it is the issue that it is for him.
2: Well, and I don't know, obviously, why it's the issue for him, but I'll tell you that this, our approach to the session uh, with the vet school is about the need for this area and how important it is to do this. You know, the the last thing that, that anybody has ever wanted to do is to try to make this something about why Texas Tech should get something versus why they shouldn't get it because of A&M. Because this is something, This discussion, this discussion has been going on since 1971. The Texas Higher Education Coordinating Board in 1971 took a vote on whether or not Texas Tech should have a vet school, and they voted five to four in 1971 to give Tech a vet school. And it's really interesting because if you look at their minutes from 1971, it is it's, it's, uh, ironic how similar it is to the same discussion we're having now. So the folks that were on the board back then were saying, Uh, We're we're not keeping up with the demands, Uh, we're not getting people to come out to uh, the the rural areas, we're not getting them to go into large animal veterinary medicine, and the arguments were exactly the same 50 years ago as they are today. And yet, uh, what has happened in the meantime is the state has exploded. I just saw the census report today, we're the fastest growing state in the United States. We had over 300,000 people come in in the last year. So you go back 50 years ago, and the problem was already occurring, and what has happened is it's just mushroomed over the course of the past uh, decade or so. So for us, this is clearly, clearly something that is about needing all hands on deck. What A&M has proposed was having uh, students uh, from College Station do rotations up at West Texas A&M. Hey, we're all for that, and if they can get a few people to to wind up staying in that area, so be it. Uh, But for us, this is not an either-or. This is We need all hands on deck for this thing. And if you look at the number of students that have to leave the state every year, we actually have more students that leave the state of Texas on an annual basis to get their veterinary degree than stay in the state to go to A&M because we don't have the slot. No. And so it's about a need that, we're, that has just gone underserved and unserved Uh, For now nearly half a
0: century I really think it's disappointing The other, Sharp is disappointing to me Not to you, I'm speaking for myself For me The other thing that's disappointing Is that whenever you have the opportunity Like Tech and A&M have Within that 15 miles Between Canyon At West Texas A&M And Amarillo To combine to do something That's unprecedented in a rural region That's disappointing to me as well that there can't be well, some sort of <laughs> partnership.
2: Yeah, that part is disappointing. It's always disappointing when, uh, because of, of things that have nothing to do with serving needs, something can't happen. That's yeah.
0: true. And it puts all the. I mean, then it's not about. I, I just. I'm a. I'm a placist, uh, if I can say that word. I'm. I'm. I'm place over party, but it's really disappointing whenever I see somebody really. Bury down into their own interests and do something that's against the state, uh, against the state's best interest. Ted Mitchell, chancellor of Texas tech, as we close up here, somebody was just named Amarillo man of the year, Jerry Hodge, <laughs> Jerry and Margaret Hodge. I think one of my highlights 2018 was getting to know Jerry Hodge. And, uh, he is a West Texan, like, uh, he's on his own tier of West Texanism there. Um, jerry hodge had 10 million dollars he and margaret a 10 million dollar pledge in i tweeted i think a couple of days ago i'm hearing rumors that they could put that 10 million dollars back up for the vet school as you go into a legislature that's a pretty big deal all of a sudden you got a 10 million million dollar pledge from somebody and i guess it could be less i don't know the parlance it could go from pledge to gift can you confirm any of those rumors?
2: Well, I will tell you this, that we are actively visiting with Mr. Hodge, and I'm confident that uh, at the end of the day he's he's very, very, very supportive of this effort up there. And so I'm not going to speak for him until he's had a chance to uh, think through it with his bride and all that, but I am confident that he will uh, support the vet school in every way possible uh, moving forward just like he has in the past. I'll, I'll leave it at that. But I'll tell you, he is the epitome of, of kind of the West Texas can do attitude about things. Because as you just said, when we go down to Austin and say, listen, we've got skin in the game. We've got people out here that are putting up money for the, for the, uh, for the facilities. We've got people that are putting up money for scholarships. We've got people that are putting skin in this game in a way that lowers the bar, the financial bar for the state. And so we're doing this in a way that is distinctly different. And I have to tell you, the energy, and you know this, the energy around this uh, has been just dramatic over the course of the past couple of years. It's really, it's been impressive and fun to watch this.
0: Man, you got to do this with me, like every couple of weeks. I just want you to think about that. Have your staff run some numbers and decide how good or bad it is for you. But uh, I don't know why you don't have a radio show already. But you're really good on the radio. <laughs> yeah, I've got a face for radio. I've got, and, and here's the
2: problem. Here's the problem. You and I look alike.
0: Well, I've got better hair, but uh, <laughs> hey, uh, we appreciate you making time. What are you doing in D.C. by the way? Are you gonna go well, sightseeing, gonna... or are you gonna go grab some lapels and tell them listen here, food, fiber, and fuel?
2: Let me tell you something. These folks up here, they forget how much money they owe you, and you got to help them remember. <laughs> we just got to we just got to always remind them about how important it is that what we do in West Texas, what we do in West mm-hmm. Texas, impacts everybody around the country and every now and then we got to come up and remind
0: him of that. Well, I'd love to watch you pull a lapel sometime. That's for sure. He is there Dr. Ted go. Mitchell of Texas Tech University, the chancellor. You're talking you. to you, Jay. Hey, I appreciate you coming on. Uh Take Dr. Care. Ted Mitchell have fun there in DC. Uh appreciate right. you as always. Uh going to get into a quick break and we're supposed to hit that uh yeah, there it is. I mean, really, guys, honestly, I'll take people, like, if you've not listened to the program, I'll take people to task when they need to be taken to task, but uh, I'm really optimistic about that guy, um, I, I mean, to come on the show and to... They engage the topics i just gave him he's not your average politician and uh really like me some ted mitchell gonna get into a break and close out this edition of the west texas what? <laughs> <saying I'm laughs> of the other side of texas some west texanism we headed straight your play. way stick right with us so this profession doesn't pay i don't understand how anybody does radio and unless they own the station i don't understand how they do it uh for a long duration of time and my comment is always we make good money off the show um i'm not going to go into how much we make but it's good it's good money and it's only possible because you guys, because you go out there and you tell. Like, I was with an advertiser the other day, and they had just sold a big product to a listener of the show. A listener of the show brought it up. Appreciate you guys doing that. Um, but all this to say, the show for me is an outlet to talk about things that really matter. And what I always tell people is, when I stop having fun, I'll stop doing it. And whenever you get people like Ross Ramsey on Self-deprecating Ross Ramsey Who's as established And as well-esteemed a journalist As there is in this state I think the world of Ross Ramsey And then for Ted Mitchell To come on And uh, the Chancellor to come on And to be self-deprecating himself I mean, I would not come on a radio show And say somebody told me I looked like you The other day I would take that um i I might well i wouldn't i would if i were him and that's my way of saying ted mitchell's better looking than i am but that's why we do it and that's why we're here and my whole purpose here is for you guys that don't understand state politics for you to come in and for you to understand the kind of politics that um that impact your day-to-day life in a bigger way than any other form of politics. Lots of people get lost in the national weeds. Uh, We stay focused on the regional and state weeds so that you understand what's really going on. And I appreciate Mrs. Leeson for taking care of the kids. I left the house and they were doing science. We got three science projects, uh, science fair projects that we got going. Appreciate Mrs. Leeson for always making this show possible as well as our friends at lubbock file room providing safe and secure document storage and shredding services to lubbock and the surrounding area since 1992 for a free and hassle-free estimate give them a call today at lubbockfileroom.com 806-744-7666 fun shows ahead for you this week and as we get into next week appreciate you listening and uh, take your any emails that you send me Jay at other side of texas.com we will engage for better or for worse. some of you guys think that I'm the prairie socialist some of the prairie and by the way is there not room for a new party like I may do an, an, an a monologue on this tomorrow um, a new party. That is somewhere between like these left wing crazies and these right wing crazies. There has to be room for that. And I think a lot of people would vote for that. Uh, word of mouth being what it is in the biggest small town in the world. Uh Lubbock, Texas. And as you listen, wherever you're listening, there has to be a way for people to meet somewhere near the middle and say, You get this, I get that. Uh I do appreciate Ross Ramsey my political counselor and ted mitchell my chancellor for coming on the program today i hope you've enjoyed it and pass along with friends if you do i appreciate you tuning in and and telling friends that you hang out here on the other side of texas you can find us on facebook other side of texas other side of texas.com at, at ostx show on twitter we will be ground zero for you as the Texas legislature convenes. Until next time, going to get home, got to get home. Great family, above average dinner waiting for me. Until next time, roll, rave on, buddies. Rave on. on They're all the outlaws, It's who we want to be
2: Belly up and just make it And two-step over. the